Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 13. I feel like I've already been to church, so even if I don't preach good today, we still had good church. Amen. Amen. All of you that are listening in, um, thank you for caring enough to listen to preaching and teaching from your home. And I am so thankful that we have that extension of our church that we're able to minister to people that are not in this building. I'm glad our ministry goes outside the walls, aren't you? Amen. I am very thankful of that. I have no plans to change that. My plans would make it better, bigger and better. I have no plans for this church to stay small or grow small. I have plans for it to be bigger and greater and better. Amen. I have no plans for us to set idle. I have no plans for us to be content and satisfied. I have plans for us to go forward, take territory, win people for the kingdom of God, and ultimately for us to go to heaven together. Everybody say, I want to go to heaven. Say, I want to go to heaven with Brother Gandy. Amen. And Brother Gandy wants to go with you. I want to go to heaven. If we don't have that as our ultimate goal, our goals are not right. Let's get our goals right. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said more over unto Moses, and God said moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is thy name forever. And notice what he says. And this is my memorial unto all generations. The word memorial is used 32 times in the Bible. One of those times was when the woman was washing the feet of Jesus and tears were falling down her face and she was anointing and praying over him. The Lord said, wherever this is told, let this be a memorial. Another place when the Lord was allowing Israel to cross over the Jordan River, he wanted to make sure that everybody understood what took place that day. And he took 12 huge stones out of the river and put 12 other stones back in the river. And he built a memorial 
so that the people would see. And so the Lord is for memorials. He believes in them. What was it he said about Rahab? Many people God referred to, the woman at the well, made reference to what took place, and he wanted her to remember. Even one story he was telling about a woman that turned around and looked back and he told us to remember Lot's wife. So the Lord is for Memorial Days. This is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. And when I was studying this this morning, I just, I was just touched by the fact that we have Memorial Day coming up tomorrow. And I want us to be mindful of what Memorial Day is. Not just that Memorial Day for our country, but what Jesus did for us at Calvary. What was done on the cross, that's a Memorial Day for the church. So I want to just talk to you on Memorial Days are important. They are important. Everybody say, Memorial Days I'm not just talking about this day, Memorial Day tomorrow. I'm talking about Memorial Days are important to the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's lift our hands and one more time ask you to bless the word of God in Jesus. Turn void, let it be a blessing to the kingdom. Help me to say something that would strengthen and encourage somebody today. Let somebody's heart be touched. Let somebody have a changed attitude and changed mind today because of this service. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you see to give somebody an air high five and tell them I sure do love you. I guess I just found out why Gordon Poe likes to take that necktie off. I don't know. The older I get, the more or the least important they are to me in my preaching. In fact, Wednesday nights we come a little more casual and I don't wear a tie. And it's so much easier to preach when you don't have a necktie choking you. And all the men said, Amen. God wanted Israel to remember their feast days and certain events, even great acts of faith and worship. God considered Memorial Days to be important and even necessary. In John 10 and 10, Jesus told us, I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus now announced at the beginning of his ministry that his agenda was not to set the prisoners free, not only to just to set them free, but set those that who broke the laws of God and were bound by sin. Jesus does not give just shortened sentences, but he gives rebuilt lives, not just release, 
but redemption. Not just freedom from the consequences, but freedom for a whole new era of life. But we must remember as a church that freedom is never free. Somebody has to pay a price for freedom. Jesus paid that price on Calvary. And that's why you and I are able to be free tonight. Before the Lord uh, paid that price, we were bound uh, by our sins. We were shapen in iniquity. And we were facing darkness and eternity without God. But because of the blood of Christ was, was shed on Calvary's cross, you and I have an opportunity to have eternal life. Because God loved us enough to pay that price, you and I can have eternal life. Michael English sings a song that says, There's not a crown without a cross, and there's not a freedom without shedding of blood. Rick Warren writes in The Purpose Driven Life, I have been at the bedsides of many people in their final moments when they stand on the edge of eternity. And I have never heard anyone say, bring me my diplomas and my degrees. I want to look at them one more time. Show me my awards and my medals, that gold watch that I was given. When life on earth is ending, people are not interested in being surrounded with objects that show their accomplishments. There's only one thing that people want, and that is relationship with people and with God. They want to make sure that things are right with people and God in their last moments of this life. I am so thankful for our Declaration of Independence. I believe it's one of the greatest documents that our nation has ever had because it promises the greatest good for all humanity because it has impacted the greatest number of people and because it provided the greatest quality of living. Because it produced the greatest nation, the United States of America. And that nation provided the greatest freedom in history. And led us to the greatest advancement of mankind this world has ever known. Our founding fathers believed uh, and they all believed in the word of God and what it stood for and what it represented. They believed in a creator. They capitalized the word creator, which shows their respect they had for God. They believed that God created them in his own image. All are created by God, and they made no allowance for evolution 
Evolution is not mentioned in our Constitution. They believe that God gave them the right and the personality and the intellect and the emotion and the will. They believed in the supernatural acts of God, that a supernatural being began this universe and it was responsible for giving people the right of life and liberty and pursuit of happiness. They believed in moral abs- absolutes and absolute truth that I talked about last week, which our fathers call inalienable rights and self evident truth. They believed in that. Governments cannot give these rights, so governments can't take them away. These rights came from God. The Mayfair uh, Compact of of November 1620, uh, this is the document that gave the direction of our nation. They They wrote, in the name of God Almighty, whose name are underwritten, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, do by these present solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and one another, convey covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic. These biblical troops, those on the Mayfire believed, they believed the new nation would glorify God. They believed that the new nation would extend Christianity and the advancement of Christian faith. They believed that their authority was from God and they planted a colony in the name of Almighty God. There were seven things uh, that we need to do in our lives uh, to make sure that we recognize God and His power as a memorial. First, we must recognize the inalienable rights of absolute truth. We must have the right living, right thinking, right solutions, and right priorities uh, if we're going to live for God the way that God wants us to we got to get things right in our relationship with God you cannot uh, be wrong and be carnal and be right with God either you're right with God or you're not right with God there's no halfway there's no in between there's no hope so might so maybe so either you are right with God or you're not right with God and I say it's time for our church to make sure and check am I right with God And I'm the only one that can make up that decision and ask that question and get the right answer. I can't ask you if uh, Brother uh, Cruz is right with God. Uh, He might tell me a story. I can can say, all right, Javi, are you right with God? Well, he's going to want his pastor to be proud of him, and he's going to want to give me the right answer. He's going to say, sure, I'm right with God. But I'm the only one that can really know if I'm right 
truly right with God. I may pretend to be right with God. I may act like I'm uh, right with God before you because I want to impress you. But the thing that really matters is am I truly right with God? Am I fired up? Is my fire really burning? Am I on the mountain with Jesus? If I'm not, it's time I start climbing in order to get there because I need to be up with him. Second, we must recognize and return to America's obligation to the Creator, the one we originally recognized in the Declaration of Independence. We must recognize God's provincial care for <coughs> this nation and His blessings on our people. The third thing, we must recognize that every American has right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because they were created in the image of God. Therefore, every American has the vast potential because of liberty and because of the opportunities to ensure those liberties of everyone else. We have obligations to our government that protects our liberties, to our way of life that provides liberty and our heritage to guarantee future liberty. Fourth, we must respect for our sin or repent for our sin and rebellion. We must forsake the pursuit of selfish pleasures just for the sake of pleasure. We need to, uh, conviction to be uh, unashamed. Of, we need to be ashamed. These lights are going to have to go up again, brother. Y'all help me have church. I'm blind as a bat up here. I look, and they're hitting me right back in the face. I guess time has brought them down. Help me. Who will help me with that? Brother Mike, will you help me get these lights back up? Fifth, <laughs> killing me this morning. Fifth, we must confess our national sin. We must confess it and beg God to turn His judgment from this nation. In the sixth place, we must fast and pray for revival. Fasting is not just making it hard on ourselves at mealtime. The Hebrew word for fast describes what happens to us when we go through an emergency. In the middle of a hurricane, we don't think about uh, anything but surviving. We work to survive. Uh, America is in danger. We must fast. We must go without food. Uh, we must pray and beg God to forgive us. And we want to seek revival in this church. Somebody said, I want revival. Seventh, we must not give up our hope. America is the best place to worship God in the whole world. Amen. I said there is no better place to worship God than right here in America. If you don't like this freedom, you need to wake up and smell the roses because we are blessed to have this freedom. As bad as drug abuse and robberies and abortion and rape and violence is in America, this is still the best place in the world to live for God. As terrible as America is in turning away from the Bible and uh, taking prayer out of our schools uh, and embracing 
progressing uh, evolution, America is still the best place in the world to live and have freedoms to worship God. We should remember how our country began and what makes America great. My dad taught me that a person in military uniform was a hero. And I still believe what he said today. If you're uh, uh, an ex-military person and you've served in uniform, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm standing. I'm one of them. And I'm proud that I stood and served in the military. I want you guys to know we're proud of you. Amen. I've seen tears stream down my father's face uh, many times as he talked about what he went through in World War II. I heard Brother Braswell uh, tell me on one of the rare times uh, I got him to talk about the war. He was a machine gunner on the back of a jeep. And, a, and an enemy plane came over them and saw them and made a turn and was coming back. And they were on a road and there were just hundreds of GIs, Americans. And this plane was coming back to machine gun them. And uh, Brother Brazel uh, turned that uh, machine gun and he said he was about 40 or 50 feet from me when he came by. And I shot him and I saw him lean over and I saw that plane crash. And he said, I'll never forget thinking that I killed somebody's son, maybe somebody's father, somebody's brother, somebody's uncle. And he said, it has tormented me because I saw his face and I saw the expression. And there were men like that that lived and thought that we could have our freedom today. This is not just a, a moral day that we're trying to remember. This is a freedom day that somebody paid a price for. And I want to say thank you to our veterans. Thank you for people that fought to give us these freedoms. When protesters began to speak out against our military, I think to myself, they just need to be in combat like Justin Howe was when two of his best friends were killed standing beside him in a firefight. Or a friend of mine from Baytown, Texas, his name is Don Trump, no kin to the president. One of the hardest things he said to do in my life I was a medic and I would hold these soldiers in my arms trying to tend to them in combat and bullets flying and people dying and I'd hear them scream out, Trump, don't let me die. I want to go home to my family. And he told me, Brother Gandy, I've held many of them in my arms and what's that last breath go out of their body? I can't stand to see people make light of those who have fought for our country. We should remember how our country began and what makes America great.
I'm not against immigration, nor do I hold a grudge against anyone who's seeking a better life by coming to America. In fact, our country is built on immigrants that have come to America. However, there are a few things that those that have recently come to our country need to understand. First of all, it's not our responsibility to continue to not to offend you in any way. If you come to America, we may offend some of your beliefs and some things that you grew up with. The idea of America being a multicultural community has only diluted our sovereignty and our national identity. As Americans, we have our own culture. We have our own society and our own language and our own lifestyle. The culture uh, called the American way has been developed over centuries uh, and we've gone through struggles and trials uh, and battles and wars and victories by millions of men and women who have sought to have freedom for our children. Many have fought and bled and died in places like Pearl Harbor and Bunker Hill and San Juan and Iwo Jima uh, Normandy and Korea and Vietnam and Iraq and Afghanistan and on and on. We speak English in America, not Arabic and Chinese and Japanese and Russian and Spanish or any other language. Therefore, if you wish to become part of our society, learn the language. Don't try to get us to learn your language and to be like you. If you want to come to America, learn our language and come be part of us. This is the way old Pastor Gandhi feels about it. If you're going to be in the church, then you need to love the laws of God. You need to learn what it is that makes God happy. You need to learn what it is. Don't try to change God. Don't try to change the church. Don't try to change the preaching and the teaching. Just go ahead and line up with it. It's what's going to get you to heaven. Over the years I've been pastored, I've had people to get mad at me with some of the things that I preach and teach. And I don't understand why anybody would get mad at a pastor when he's... Now, I'm not talking about arrogance and overbearingness and saying stuff, personal opinion, but I'm talking about the Word of God. When you're preaching the Word, how could you get offended at the Word? How could you get your feelings hurt? When somebody's trying to tell you what the Bible says to get you to heaven. I try my best to preach the word of God. I try my best to preach messages that will stir you up and get you to think. I, I pray God help me to preach in a way it will help our attitudes and our spirits. If there's any carnality, it's time to pray it out. If there's any bad attitude, it's time to get over it. It's time to grow up and, and, and say, God, I want to get down to business with you. I'm ready to pay the price. I'm ready to get in the church. I'm ready to have revival. I'm ready to go to heaven. In God we trust is our national motto. This is not some off-the-wall 
Christian right-wing political slogan. It is our national motto. It is engraved in stone in the House of Representatives in our capital, and it's printed on our currency. We adopted this motto because Christian men and women on Christian principles founded this nation, and this is clearly documented throughout our history. If we, if it is not appropriate for our motto to be inscribed in the halls of our highest level of government, then it ought to certainly be appropriate for displayed on the walls of our schools and our courthouses. God is our pledge and our national anthem. Never, Nearly every patriotic song is in our founding documents and it has God in it. Everything we used to sing, everything we've always believed, all of our laws and our government, God is mentioned freely in it. We have honored God in his birth and his death and resurrection. As holidays, we turn to him in prayer because we believe in God in America. If our God offends you, then I suggest you consider another part of the world as your new home to live in because God is part of our culture and we are proud to have him among us. I don't want you to come in over here and trying to change us. Amen. Don't come to America and try to change the way we believe and what we believe in. We've always believed in God. Our founding fathers believed in God. And we want to continue to believe in God. We're proud of our heritage and those who have so honorably defended our freedoms. We celebrate Independence Day and Memorial Day and Veterans Day and Flag Day. We have parades and picnics and barbecues where we proudly wave our flags. And it would be to your benefit not to burn our flag in front of us Texans. As an American, I have the right to wave my flag, sing my national anthem, and quote my national motto. Amen. And cite the Pledge of Allegiance whenever and wherever I choose. The American culture is our way of life and our heritage, and we are proud of it. And we really don't care how others did things, where they came from. We are Americans. Like it or not, this is our country, our land, and our lifestyle. Our First Amendment gives every citizen the right to express his opinion about our government, our culture, and our society. We have freedoms of speech and freedom of press and freedom of religion. But if a person is complaining and whining and griping about our flag and our pledge and our national motto and our God and our way of life, I highly encourage them to take advantage of another great American freedom. And that, my friend, is the right to leave. Amen. You have that right to leave if you don't love America. I 
I want to tell you, I am a great lover of my freedom and my country. I stand here today to remind you that tomorrow is Memorial Day. But it's not just a picnic and a holiday and a day off. It is a day to remember that somebody has paid a price that you and I can sit here today and have freedom in our life. We can have freedom to worship God. We can have freedom to serve Him. When Moses asked God for His name, he was essentially saying, I don't have the authority to take your people out of Pharaoh's hand. I need an authority greater than myself to present to Pharaoh. God had to simplify who he was to Moses by saying, I am. With all the titles that men had placed upon God, there still was something lacking when you tried to describe who God was. You could tell of his nature and his character, but his authority could not be understood. You had to get over the New Testament, into the New Testament, for this great revelation of God's authority to be understood. And out of all the titles from the Old Testament, none of them described who God really was. From the time that Moses asked God what his name was, that question had rained down thousands of years. Many speculated, many imagined, but none knew the proven authority of God by his name. But one day an angel appeared to a virgin by the name of Mary and made this statement to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. There it was, that name that thousands of generations of believers had longed to hear, that name that described his nature, his character, his authority, all in one word, Jesus. The New Testament church continued, continued to exalt God's name. The only difference being that they had a greater revelation of God and His name. It's a big difference worshiping God when you know who He is. A lot of church people today are sitting on a church pew somewhere and they're trying to worship God and not understanding who He is. Many of them believe there's only one God, but it's so confusing. They cannot understand the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It appears to them that there are three gods in heaven. And that is not even in context with the Scripture. If you were to study the Scripture about God, it's always monotheistic. It's always one God mentioned. Never do you find a triune or a trinity of God. 
and it was revealed when Jesus was born. It was revealed in the scripture and we began to find out as the Lord tried to explain, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. He tried to get them to understand all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. He was the manifestation of the one true God. He was the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. You and I are sons and daughters of God, but when Jesus was born, he was the only begotten Son of God. It was the Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary, and she conceived and bore a son. It was God manifesting the flesh. He came down here that you and I could have freedom and we could have life and have it more abundantly. Oh, the real memorial day is when Jesus died on the cross. He said, it is finished and he opened up the veil. He opened up the journey into the kingdom of God for you and I to know what it's all about. It's life and life more abundantly. It's freedom. Oh, it's freedom. It's freedom. Because Jesus was the originator of the first Memorial Day when he died on the cross and set us free. Would you stand?